answering your questions about new privacy measures intended to shield ADSB data from prying eyes. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. This podcast is brought to you by Scudero, the software that elevates your flight operations. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. Operator privacy remains a significant concern for NBAA and its members. The association has received many questions from business aviation operators about two recently announced FAA initiatives to restrict access to identifying information transmitted by ADSB-equipped aircraft. Joining me today to answer those questions are Heidi Williams, NBAA's Director of Air Traffic Services and Infrastructure, and Doug Carr, NBAA's Vice President of Regulatory and International Affairs. First, Doug, let's bring everyone up to speed on these two new programs. What is LAD and what is PIA? Thanks, Rob. These are two brand new programs that the FAA has developed in response to calls for increased privacy as a result of the implementation of ADSB, which all of us view as a as a necessary move forward to help with the advancement of our national air transportation system. The, the two programs are the result of some improvements on an existing program and a wholly new capability. The LAD program, Limiting Aircraft Data Displayed program, is an enhancement to our BAR program, which many of our listeners will be familiar with, the Blocked Aircraft Registration Request Program. BAR is going to be sunset, and the LAD program will, will take its place. It will provide some increased capability for operators to determine where their FAA-derived data uh, goes. Whether that aircraft data is coming to the FAA from uh, radars, whether it's coming from ADSB, whether it's coming from outside sources, as long as the FAA touches it, it's going to be covered by the LAD program. And operators will have a very, uh, a very direct way to determine where that capability goes And we expect some enhancement to that capability to come online after the new year. The PIA program, Privacy ICAO Address Program, will add an enhanced level of privacy for operators looking to make sure that their flight tracking movements are not going to be compromised primarily by third-party non-FAA tracking sources. It remains one of a, a number of significant security challenges for some of our some of our operators who want to stay ahead of a number of uh, a number of issues that that they see so this will facilitate an operator's capability to change a code within their transponder that won't be linked to a publicly identifiable aircraft registration database combined both of these programs will significantly improve an operator's ability to travel with the same level of privacy that we currently enjoy on our nation's highway system. So how does LAD differ from the former BAR program? Primarily, LAD will will, uh, allow an operator to determine which third parties get access to this flight tracking data. Today, operators have an ability to choose two forms of locking, whether it's at the FAA or at the vendor level. This new program will retain that level of, of locking, but it will enhance that by restricting access to any of that data only to companies or to third parties that the operator has authorized via via this capability. It will, it will, in our view, tremendously enhance an operator's assurance of where their FA-derived tracking data is going. Rob, the other aspect of LAD that is, is a little bit different than BAR is that FAA has taken the time and gone through the pains to update their agreements with third-party vendors. 
that has been something that that NBA has been an advocate for for quite a few years. And in fact, the FAA has made good on that that need for updated agreements, which will limit the access. So that's a really key part of this win with the transition from bar to lad. Heidi, is there a list of approved vendors from which operators can choose who is able to see their data and who isn't? Currently, the FA has the, the LAD website up and, and functional. What they don't have are a couple uh, enhanced capabilities that will be added in the future. We're hoping in the near term, but it will be that list of vendors that they can then choose which of those vendors they would like to have uh, their data. or So the FA would send the data to the vendor. But Right now, that list does not exist on the FAA's website. If an aircraft was already registered under BAR, will it be automatically transitioned over to LAD? Yes. In fact, that has already been accomplished. So with the announcement of this transition to the LAD website, the FAA automatically transitioned all of the existing BAR operators to LAD. Heidi, even as we're talking about these new processes in the ADSB environment, there remain operators who still won't be equipped with ADSB or be compliant with 91.255 ahead of the FAA's January 1st, 2020 deadline. However, I understand there are programs to cover limited flights for these operators beyond that deadline. For example, to ferry their aircraft to an installation facility after the first of the year. That's correct. So we have two tools that are essentially available to operators. One is that service availability prediction tool, otherwise known as SAPT. So service availability prediction tool is going to allow operators to know if their GPS is uh, operating correctly. So it's a prediction that things are operating as they should. The second component or tool that the FAA has uh, provided an automated capability to access is ADAPT or ADSB deviation authorization pre-flight tool. That is uh, the tool that will allow operators if they are not equipped or if they have an in-op component and need to ferry to have service done, they can access ADAPT online and submit a request that is not more than 24 hours out and up to an hour before their flight to get authorization to operate through rural airspace. So the SAPT website offers an interactive flight planning form that provides predictions of ADSB sufficiency for specific flight times and equipment configurations. Heidi, do previous rules under BAR apply if an operator purchases a used aircraft that was already in that program? If you indeed purchased an aircraft that was formerly in the BAR program, um, you as a new operator of that aircraft will have to apply for LAD. And so you can do that through the FAA's LAD website. But that transition in ownership means that that aircraft is no longer on the bar list. It would indeed have to go through, you would have to go through a reapplication process. Coming up, we'll answer your questions about the intricacies of the PIA program and tell you where to find the most up-to-date information as this process continues to evolve. But first, a word from our sponsor, Scudero. Hi there, this is Justin from Scudero. Did you know Scudero now has an iOS app for pilots and crew members? 
The Scudero Crew app transforms how operators and flight departments share flight information by delivering everything pilots and crew members need for their missions direct to their phones. From notifications of assigned missions to passenger details and flight logs, pilots can now carry their full workflow in their pocket. Learn more today at Scudero.com. That's Scudero, S-C-H-E-D-A-E-R-O.com. We're back with NBAA's Heidi Williams and Doug Carr answering members' questions about new privacy initiatives in the ADSB environment. It looks like most questions submitted by NBAA members have concerned their participation in the Privacy ICAO Address, or PIA, program. So let's dive in, Doug. Several members have asked if they'll need to revert back to their original ICAO code to operate the aircraft internationally after acquiring a PIA code. Rob, the answer to that one is yes. Today, because of international agreements that are in place, the FAA can only provide the service for operations that are conducted within the United States over United States territory. We are working with the FAA to determine what is going to be possible in the future for use of this code. But as it initially rolls out, it will be limited only to domestic U.S. operations. So if operators do revert back to that ICAO code for an international flight, will they need to apply for a new PIA code when returning to domestic operations? The FAA will allow an operator to retain possession of a PIA code as long as they would like to to keep it in use Reverting back and forth does not mean that the operator has to turn that PIA code back into the FAA. It's essentially in use by the operator until the operator turns it back in and requests another PIA code. Will an operator need to conduct a new authorization flight after putting their PIA code back in play? That's a great question, and I think one that a lot of operators will be interested in. The FAA has shared with us that an, an operator may use an existing flight to validate the installation of, uh, of a PIA code or the originally assigned code. No special or dedicated flight is going to be needed during the transition between the two codes. So Heidi, when might we expect to see a solution for international flights that doesn't require changing between the PIA and ICAO codes? Now, that's a, also a great question, as we have many operators that are that are operating globally. Um, currently, we don't have an international solution. It is being worked. It does not appear that there's going to be a near-term international solution, a one-size-fits-all. So we continue to work that, um, and hopefully in the not-too-distant future, we'll, we'll have more to tell you there. How about when an operator is flying domestically, but along an overwater route, say off the East Coast, or over Mexico or Canada? Will they be able to maintain their PIA code, or will they need to revert to their ICAO code? Yeah, this is a real challenge in the system, and especially with PIA that we've been working through with the FAA. So if you're flying CAN or Mexican routes, which often you are if you're going East to West Coast, um, you you actually will not be able to use your PIA code is, is what we're hearing from the FAA uh, currently. Um, so in those cases, you may need to go ahead and request a routing that does not take you over Canadian or Mexican airspace if indeed you want to utilize your PIA code. We also have uh, routes that are off the coast of the East Coast for operators who are going from the Northeast to the Southeast and vice versa. 
Those are just a little more than 12 miles offshore in many cases, but you are still under the control of um, US ATC. So honestly, the, the best answer to these right now is, is that FAA is continuing to work a solution and, and an answer with FAA legal. They will continue to keep us updated. And as part of that, we'll continue to keep our FAQs online updated and the FAA will do, in fact, the same thing. They have a very robust set of frequently asked questions and answers on their website um, with everything from equipage questions, PIA and SAPT and ADAPT questions to operational questions. So it, it, it is incumbent upon operators to continually check for updates to answers to these questions. Doug, if an operator has a PIA code, why do they still need a call sign? Today, the MODES transponder information that is shared as part of uh, air traffic control requests for information from the aircraft include two important pieces of information that include the ICAO code block and a flight ID block. Today, under most non-commercial aircraft situations, that flight ID block is filled with the aircraft registration number. Unless an operator replaces that flight ID information uh, with something else, then the transponder code that the operator has requested from ICAO doesn't fully provide a good security solution in terms of identity. That flight ID will provide uh, potentially an, an opportunity for the operator to eliminate its, uh, its current tail number data, which is contained within that flight ID block, and utilize a flight ID that is not necessarily identifiable with that operator. Does it matter if the operator obtained that call sign through ICAO versus a third-party vendor? Yes, it does. Operators who are looking to take advantage of the new PIA capability can use any call sign that they have access to, whether it is their own call sign from ICAO or whether it is a third-party call sign. NBA would strongly encourage operators to take advantage of a third-party call sign because that does not tie back directly to an operator. If an operator has secured, as we mentioned previously, an ICAO code that, that is registered with ICAO, it defeats the purpose of trying to protect the identity of the operator. And we would encourage operators to facilitate the acquisition of a third-party flight ID in support of a PIA that really helps to ensure that none of the information coming from the aircraft is able to be tied back directly to the operator. Of course, all of these programs depend on the aircraft having a working ADSB compliant transponder. Heidi, what should operators do in the event their transponder is inoperative? Robert, they're actually going to be required to go through that same ADAPT tool that's online and it, it's not an app, it's available uh, via web browser. So they should be able to do that even potentially through a mobile device. But again, reminding operators that they, they can't do that you know, more than 24 hours out and they can't do it within an hour of their flight. So there is a window of opportunity. And, you know, part of that is, uh, you know, we've been asked by operators, well, what is the turnaround time then if I submit a request through ADAPT Typically, you get some type of immediate response that they've received your, your, your request, 
And there are a number of answers that are going to fall into an immediate yes. So sometimes you may get an immediate yes. In other cases, there are going to be a few that fall into an immediate no. For instance, if you submit a request within the hour prior to your flight, you're going to get an immediate immediate no because you were outside the parameters of, of what can be authorized. In other cases, you may get a response that it's pending. And in those cases, that request is going to be sent off to the command center to have a human take a look at the request and go through the scenario, and they will then turn it around for you in a, in a short period of time. But there may be some human in the loop that has to review that request, which might delay it just a bit. Does that process differ at all for aircraft that, while not equipped with ADS-B, might be equipped with WAS? It may or may not. If you don't have ADS-B equipped aircraft, that's what we're talking about. So you might be WAS equipped, not ADS-B equipped. You're still going to need to go through that ADAPT process to request an authorization to fly through rural airspace. All commercial operators must utilize the SAP tool in the event they do not have ADS-B, correct? That is correct. They're going to need to go through uh, the SAPT process and and then ultimately um, through ADAPT if in fact they aren't equipped with ADSB. One of the things with SAPT and ADAPT, and, and we've had quite a few folks that are wanting to take a look at the website and understand that website and, and peruse it a bit. Currently, there is a SAPT website that is up and functional and, and folks could go and take a look. That is um, on FA site, but uh, the actual uh, URL is sapt.faa.gov, and that will get you to that ADSB prediction tool, SAPT. ADAPT, which is that process to acquire an authorization to fly through the site if you're in op or um, uh, not uh, equipped, that is a tool that is still working, being worked through process. And, and currently, um, while FAA's end of that site is done, they are seeking OMB approval, which is part of their process. That has not been retained yet. The authorization that's coming to actually utilize that tool operationally is likely pending more towards end of the year, the 30th or 31st. And again, as soon as that is online, workable, functional, we will make sure members are made aware. The other piece of this, um, and, and Doug has talked through the PIA website and, and how folks acquire a PIA, PIA code, we actually worked with the FAA over the last month testing their website, having some of our operators uh, you know, explore the functionality of that website and learn to use it. But that, that website is not actually live yet. It was anticipated and it's been advertised that that site would be available the middle of this week. That in fact is not going to occur. What is happening again is the FAA is going through that authorization that they need to do interdepartmentally amongst different, um, different bodies of the government. They are hoping uh, that by end of week, they may have something called an emergency collection process that they're working through that would make that PIA website uh, available and, and operational. 
but we will know more about that as the week uh, wears on. So we will keep members abreast again through our website and the FAA's website as well. Heidi, is there a general turnaround time that operators should expect once the PIA request website goes live? If you're looking to submit for a PIA code, there's not an exact turntable on that one. Once the, the site is live and operational, you can immediately begin um, seeking a, an I, a PIA code. It's clear we're speaking of a lot of moving parts in this process and aspects that remain to be fully sorted. So it's very important that operators continue to monitor the following websites for the very latest information about these rapidly evolving developments. The first is the FAA's ADSB privacy webpage at www.faa.gov forward slash nextgen forward slash equip ADSB forward slash privacy. NBAA has also launched a dedicated privacy FAQ that may be found at nbaa.org forward slash privacy. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan podcasts at Apple's iTunes website, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock, and thanks for listening to Flight Plan. Flight Plan.